I ended up feeling so much more restricted yep. in my life. And I had to work more hours. It was just crazy. Mm. I was an entrepreneur and had less control over my life than I did as an employee. Mm. And here now the pendulum has swung the opposite direction mm -hmm. and I have more freedom than I could ever imagine. And I just think you can build businesses in different ways mm -hmm. and you have to be very aware of that. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! That's not my best air horn. That's not my best word. This is the Fizzle Show, where every week we talk to people who are earning a living doing something that they actually care about. That's you. You're the listener. You're working to build something that you actually care about, all right? Because you can earn a living doing something you don't care about. <laughs> Might as well make your revenue, earn your revenue doing something you actually care about. Making your mark on the world, doing whatever it is that you're into, there's probably some creative way to earn a living doing it. And that's what we're about here. Fizzle. We call it fizzle because most creative businesses fizzle out. Did you know that? Do you know most creative ideas? They just like, you're like, have an idea. You're like, I'm working it out in my journal for a little while. And then, you know, 24 months later, it's like, oh yeah, didn't I already have this idea? I think you comes back again and you hadn't done anything with it, right? That happens to all of us. So we're not only about how do you find out what you're interested in? How do you figure out what to do? We're also about how do you actually get it done? And today... Is no exception. We're talking to a guest on the show today who has actually got it done. He's been around the world and back again, and he's created a business about travel. And what I want to get into with him today is how can we build businesses that actually allow us to travel? Okay, that's what I want to get into. Because you can build a business that doesn't allow you to travel. So how do we do it in a way when we're building our indie businesses so that we can actually travel. With me today, Corbett Barr. Say hello, Corbett. Hello. My fearless my fearless compatriot and co-founder of Fizzle.co. And then across the table, Sean Ogle. Say hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. That's Sean <laughs> Ogle of Location Rebel. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm great. I'm, my vacation starts today. Not that you ever really take a vacation <laughs> doing this kind of thing, but... Uh, I'm good. Dude, and it's apropos for the episode today. Yeah. Sean's about to take off on two months of sabbatical. Two months. I'm literally going to the airport from from here. So two months of sabbatical. Okay, so I want to hear about this trip. I want to hear about this trip. Like indeed, because one of the questions that I want to get into at some point here is your wife does not work from anywhere. Correct. She has a job that's like locked down at with Nike here, and she's just got this like this ability now to take this long two week two month trip. So I want to hear how have you sort of navigated that. But first, let's like let's jump in at at the beginning here. Why I want to hear from you, Sean, first of all. And then Corbett, you've got a ton to add to this as well. Like We've talked before on the show about why to travel, but let's just do a quick little, like, let's just poke and jab a little bit. Like, for you, Sean, what's one of your reasons? What's one of your reasons why you like to travel? Well, you kind of realize when, you, like, I didn't travel much growing up. I didn't mm -hmm. leave the country till after I graduated from college. And you realize that not everybody does things the same way that you do. And the first time I ever left the country... Um, you know, I spent three months or three weeks backpacking through Europe and you start realizing it's like, oh, there's a lot of, a lot of people out here and they, they have a lot of different opinions about Americans mm -hmm. and things like that. And mm -hmm. so I think it makes you a much more well-rounded person and allows you to, allows me to help serve people better in my business and allows me to relate to people better when I'm back home, just having that background and understanding that there's people that look at the world differently than I do. Yeah. They see it differently. What about you, Corbin? When you think of travel, what, what's it's it a little, for you? a little simpler for me. I just, I'm kind of the kind of person who likes to chase an endless summer <laughs> you know okay it's tell like, me more tell me more well we live in portland which is nice for about 2.5 months out of the year <laughs> you're lucky <laughs> yeah totally. and so you might as well be somewhere else during some of those crappy months yeah and uh mexico is a nice place to do that yeah so, so so i spend winters there so you're chasing that endless summer yeah all the way around yeah you just what, what is it like with you and the sun Hanley song or yeah. something <laughs> I think that's the boys of summer. <laughs> oh, and that's about me and my actually true story. That's actually about me and, and my, my brother boys uh, of summer. Yeah. We, we used to live out in, in the Jersey shore where Don Henley actually is not, from, he's not from there, but he uh, had nor, a lot of, nor are you, he spent a lot. Of, yeah. We lived there for a while and huh. we were the kind of, we were, you know, you got your wayfarers on, 
smiling at everyone. That was actually a line about me. So a lot of people don't know that. I haven't, I've kept it mostly secret until now. Yeah. But Endless Summer, Corbett Bar, that's pretty good. That and, I mean, on a, seriously, I do like summer. But uh, also, like Sean, I, I think uh, traveling for me also, like, sometimes you kind of get in a rut. Mm-hmm. working in the same place all the time okay, yeah that's a big that's a big one to me and going out just <clears throat> gets a fresh perspective makes you realize that there are some beautiful things in the world and uh it kind of reminds you why you're doing the work that you do so that you can experience new things absolutely and the one thing i want to add and i think like fundamentally one of the reasons i really like to travel is because i try and judge myself by my life my success by how many cool stories i have yeah, mm-hmm. the guy who wins at the end of the day is the guy that's got the most cool stories and mm-hmm. the easiest way to create more cool stories and more great experiences is through travel for me yeah, yeah. you definitely get cool stories from traveling Definitely. I like that. Okay. So there's some ideas on why it's good to travel. I mean, specifically for those entrepreneurs out there, those people who, who like in someone I'm, I'm thinking of in my head right now, for example, is someone who's like in that, you know, that season where you get your business, like it takes all this work to get your business idea together, to put your site together, to actually launch it and get it out into the world. And then it's out, right? It's out into the world and it's doing its thing. And then you have that first season of sort of like, oh, I have to actually work to grow this thing now. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like this, is that like you kind of get that initial traction sometimes. You sp- sh- share it with your social networks. You see that like early days sort of growth from you know no no traffic on your website to a hundred people on your website to maybe five hundred people on your website. But then it's like to go from five hundred to five thousand can be like a whole other ball game. And you're so I'm thinking of someone in that in that realm, and they're probably like the last thing I need is travel. The last thing I need is travel. I have to actually grunt it out, go harder at work. Sean, do you think that that's true? No, it's the exact opposite for me. Mm. Travel is what enabled me to grow my business. So Mm. I used to be in finance. I used to joke I was the only person in Portland that had to wear a suit and tie to work. Um, And so six months after... (laughs) You were the only person in Portland who had to wear a suit and tie to work. I like that. (laughs) It's kind of true. It's such a casual city. It is. So six months after starting the blog, I left my job. I moved to Thailand where I was able to live for like a thousand bucks a month or less. I had a crappy wow. $200 a month apartment, but that gave me the free time to be able to work on the business and grow the business. It gave me interesting stories and things to write about. Mm. Um, I wanted to extend that experience of being able to work for myself and do things, you know, on my own time as yeah. much as possible. So it helped me with the motivation. So depending on what stage of life you're at, obviously I was like 25 at the time. It's a little bit easier to pick up and leave when you're 25. Sure. Yeah. To 40 and kids and mortgage and everything. But at the same time, you know, I think it's it's possible for anyone. And it was it was literally the reason I am where I am, I am now is because of travel. Because you travel. OK, so now let's let's back up there for a second. The only person in Portland who has to wear a suit and tie working in finance. OK, yep. Corbett, you mentioned this story the other day. Sean, I want to hear this from your from your mouth. Tell me about the time that you tried to get your company that you worked for to allow you to work remotely from Hawaii. Yeah. So basically, I got into finance in July of 2007. Peak of the market. By February of 2009, everything had collapsed. It was miserable. <laughs> I convinced my boss to let me save up all my vacation time for a year. It took me months to beg him to let me go down to Rio for Carnival with mm-hmm. one of my best friends. So went down there for two weeks, came back, best trip of my life, like changed everything for me. The day I got back, I got a 20% pay cut Whoa. because the business wasn't doing as well. He's like, everybody takes a 20% pay cut. It's just a company of four people or we could let you go. Mm. And we figured you'd rather have this. <laughs> so, but he told me like a month later, he's like, you know, Sean, like if you can ever think of any creative ways to save the company money, I, I want to hear about him. Yeah. And so I said, okay. So I'm starting to think my best friend that I went to Hawaii with, he quit his job three, three weeks later, moved to Hawaii, yeah. was saving up, basically treading water, working as a cabana boy until the end of the year where he was going to go start a world trip. Hmm. So I'm talking to him every day on my lunch break. And he's like, how's it going, man? And I'm like, well, you know, crunching numbers, staring at spreadsheets, actually pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, oh, I just got done surfing. I'm getting ready for a sunset dinner cruise. I'm about <laughs> to go like helicoptering or whatever. Yeah. Like He's doing all this cool stuff. And so finally I had this idea and I went to my boss I said, hey, boss. Let me work remotely for three months from Hawaii Mm. and I will open us up to a new client base. I will take a 50% pay cut to do this for three months to try and make it work. I'm going to make the company more secure so that you guys will be able to travel more. We're going to have to figure out how to do this whole remote thing. And so he starts thinking about it and we had a a couple more meetings about it. And so So he's like thinking about it. He's like, okay, okay. And you have a couple more meetings about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're talking about the logistics. I'm like, this is actually going to work. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I was basically like bags are packed. We're ready to go. 
And about a month after this, he calls me into his office and he's like, Sean, uh, just want to let you know, we've decided not to accept your proposal, but we will accept this as your resignation. <laughs> Verbatim. That's exactly what? what he said. What? What? Where were you? Were you in his office? We were in the conference room. In the conference room. And just just him and you? Just him and me and, and the other principal, his business partner. And he said, but we really want to know what you're working on. We want you to teach us everything you've been doing. So we're willing to let you stick around for another two weeks to uh, help get us up to speed on everything that's going on. Oh my God. We are, we are not going to accept your offer and we will accept this as your reg- resignation. Yep. So you, you're like, I want to use travel to make the business better or whatever, to cut our expenses to this, that, and the other. And he's just like, that's awesome. Tell me more. You're fired. <laughs> that's basically how it went down. And he, he basically made it. He's like, I thought you made it pretty clear that you were going to leave if this wasn't the case. And I was like, no, oh absolutely not. Like, I'm just trying to figure out how to, you know, be a team player here. That's so amazing. <laughs> that is so It's amazing. funny, right? Because when people are thinking about building a business, a lot of times they're, they're like, well, I don't have enough time. Yeah. And I think we've made the suggestion numerous times that, well, you can always ask to go part time or mm-hmm. to figure out a way to make your role more flexible so that you have time mm-hmm. to pursue these other things. And, you know, you can ask, like, what's the harm in asking? Well, I guess the harm is the you harm could is, get fired. Yeah. Did but not. looking back on that, I, I think that's right when we met, right? What month are you, was this? This you, was September. September no it was October of 2009 so I think you and I met in like June or July of 2009 yeah Ooh. yep I I had been on my Mexico sabbatical I was reading all kinds of blogs and I came upon Chris Gillibo at some point during that trip right. and on my way back to Portland it turned out that Chris was going to have a little meetup mm. at the Pied Cow on Belmont <laughs> I actually vividly remember that day for a different reason and that's <laughs> the day I met you and Tyler yep. both mm-hmm. for the first time wow. Tyler Trevorin Tyler Trevorin yeah yeah and so but anyway so when was that that was 2009 yeah okay mid 2009 so the worst case is you might get fired yep but it turns out that was also the best thing that could have possibly happened to you. Was, yeah, because what happened then? Yeah, so it was the best thing that could have happened. And also just the funny story about the what Corbett just mentioned yeah. is Chris was the one who inspired me to start start the blog. Yeah. So he moved to Portland. I met him for coffee over on Hawthorne, kind of hipster, trendy area. He mm-hmm. laughed at me, never met him in person, walked through the door in my suit and tie, had to lie about where I was going laughs at me he's like you realize we're in portland right (laughs) Um, and so we had met a couple times throughout then but as i was walking to my car leaving that event at the pied cow he yells at me he's like sean you better follow through with all this stuff you say you're going to do because i don't want to have to rewrite your chapter in my book Uh so in the first part of the book the art of nonconformity there's a whole like chapter about my story and everything that went on wow that's awesome the art of nonconformity you just got to get somebody to write about you and then it'll hold your and it'll happen exactly it'll happen that's hilarious okay so what happened then you got fired you got fired from portland where'd you go so basically i woke up the next morning i went to the gym at eight o'clock where Uh i was like i can finally do this when i want to do this yeah i was really excited and you know i cried for a couple days and was like what am i doing with my life and I fortunately had started this blog called Location 180. It was mm-hmm. me going through my quarter life crisis. So I published my bucket list, all the things that I wanted to do in life. It was essentially just holding myself accountable for all of these cool things I wanted to do. Um, and I started writing about, you know, wanting to leave my job and looking for new opportunities. And what ended up happening was this guy by the name of Dan Andrews, who has a podcast called The Tropical MBA. Mm-hmm. And he reached out to me, said, Sean, I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, I'm looking to bring an American intern out to Asia, um, work for me part time. I'll pay for your basic living expenses and teach you internet marketing. Wow. So he's like, I'll pay you 800 bucks a month. You can pick the country. I'll come meet you in whatever country you want. We'll travel around for a little bit. We'll go to work. And so, uh, six weeks later, I met this random dude from the internet at 1am at the Bangkok (laughs) airport. And it was so many red flags. It was it was the best decision I ever made. And nothing like it. That's amazing. Total game changer. That's amazing. Yeah. So you took an internship. Mm-hmm. You took an internship. I'm always trying to get people to find an internship. Oh, it of was some kind. It was the best thing I could have done. I, I call that becoming an apprentice. Yep. Like just be take an apprenticeship somewhere. Yep. And uh, looking back, okay, so quickly on that, your your uh, experience as an apprentice worked out really, really well. Yes. Because Dan seemed like he, he set you up really well for success there. He yes. was the real deal. So 
to anybody out there who hears that and they've got their suit on right now, yep. they're driving home from work and they've got their suit on. Yep. And they're like, like if you were to give them a piece of advice about apprenticeship or something like that, how to find one maybe, or how to tell if it like, like, cause you took one in a, in, I don't know, just, do you have any advice for like, imagine you before you took that internship, before you, you got fired totally. from your job, what would you wish you like Sean then would have heard okay, about so, this? So two things I'll say to that. One mm. is if you're legitimately interested in apprenticeship, go read the end of jobs by Taylor mm. Pearson. Yeah. Awesome book on apprenticeships. Um, second, I would say start a blog. Mm. Uh, this was the, the best thing I did for myself is you start putting yourself out there and then all of a sudden people start finding you for the reasons like, you know, like-minded people or people with opportunities. Um, you don't have to go search them out. Um, yeah. You, know, you might have to search them out, but then once they look up who you are, you know, it gives you a little bit more credibility because I mean, I'm sure you get, you get people all the time, they email you and they're like, Hey, I want to work for you guys for free. Like, what can I do? And you're just probably like, Nope, not interested. Yeah. But if someone's got a blog, they've kind of been writing about things. They've kind of proven what they've been able to yeah. do. Mm. And then if they start approaching you in the right way and building a relationship first without trying to get anything out of it, without just coming out and saying, I want you to be my mentor. I want to be your apprentice. Um, cause I think that's the problem most people make is they go out seeking mentorship or apprenticeship mm. as opposed to building the relationships yeah. and allowing it to happen. Every, everyone that we've worked with over the years, like with fizzle, Caleb, Barrett, yep. Steph, we knew them a little bit before yeah. either because they had been part of something that we'd done or they had a blog that we were aware of, yep. yeah. we met them somewhere. Yeah. And so they just had a standing like a, you, you could tell that they were serious because they had already done some of the yeah. work. Yep. The yeah. worst thing in the world would be if somebody said, hey, I really want to work with you guys, learn everything, but they haven't proven themselves, and then you hire them, and it turns out that they're not really interested in doing all the work. Totally. Exactly. And another case from my own life mm. is, you know, I started, you know, meeting with Chris, you know, Chris Gilbo yeah. once a month, you know, as I think I was, it's pronounced Gilliabo, but yeah. Gilliabo. Yeah. As yeah. I was getting going. Be, and the day that I told him I left my job or, uh -huh. you know, got fired or whatever, he said, hey, it's not going to solve all your problems, but I need an affiliate manager. You know, mm. I'll pay you, you know, a little bit to, to help me, you know, 10 hours a week or 10 hours a month or whatever it was yeah. to help me with that. And then that, you know, helped me get involved with WDS and Pioneer Nation and mm. help, you know, I think I made probably 250 bucks a month, mm. you know, as I was getting started with them. But I also got to learn from them. It also gave me a little bit of momentum as I left my job. And that never would have happened had I not started the blog and followed through with everything I said I was going to do. Wow. And how long were you in Thailand for that first cent? Uh, about seven months. And, and so you weren't making much. You said 800 bucks from this one internship and a little bit from this other thing. Yep. But you were able to live over there for like, what, 20% of what it costs here? Oh, yeah. Like right? yeah. basically nothing. Yeah. So that, yeah. Now, now in your story, you moved over over to to the east the orient as as they might have called it back you know uh, 200 years ago uh, which is of course absurd now we're not supposed to say that and i i i, I strike it from the record <laughs> i strike it right out but you went over there like corbett was mentioning you're saving a lot of money on your on your daily expenses mm -hmm. this is kind of a big deal in fact there's a whole world now of this you know of of mostly dudes with laptops on beaches yep going like yeah i'm living out here too uh because it just doesn't cost anything and like i'm starting up my online business and i i have a, i have a feeling that many of them go like yeah the online pharmaceutical like you know whatever the the like i don't know the the make my own vitamin supplement like company that i was trying to make just didn't just fell through yeah. at, at the end of like a year and a half or something the like drop that. shipping thing and the drop shipping thing yeah. and then they come back um home but you were able to make it work um how important was it for you to be in a completely different environment completely different rules and norms and all that stuff when you were starting up your business it was different for a lot of reasons mm. you know one you know when i'm here in portland maybe i'll have something you know that's a good story happen throughout the day mm. when i live in thailand every single day something story worthy happened whether it's like there's a random you know elephant walking down the street yeah. or there's a giant coup and i get shot at like every yeah. day there's yeah. things happening <laughs> so it gave me content to to write about but also because most of the people around me didn't speak english 
Um, you know, you're just like Bangkok's a fairly easy place to get around. You can find people and expats and whatever to go talk to. But because the people in my immediate vicinity didn't speak English, it was a lot easier to sit down and actually get work done. Yeah. I also didn't have a house with, you know, all the kind of creature comforts. It was literally a bed, a dresser, a bathroom, and that was it. So when I'm there, there's nothing to distract you and you actually can kind of focus on getting these things done. And then the other component was there. I worked out of a co-working space a few times a week where there was, you know, probably 15 other people that were doing the exact same thing I was. Mm. And because we were in this weird, strange town together, uh, you know, we got to know each other better. We helped support each other. And so some of those people early on were some of the, the biggest reasons that the business was successful mm. through learning from them or accountability or whatever might have been. Wow. Where did your friends and family at the time fall on the spectrum of what the hell are you doing with your life to... You're so lucky. I can't believe you get to go live in Thailand. Most of them were skeptical yeah. because this was 2009. I still like I could have saved my finance job like, you know, the way it all ended. Like I could have stuck around. But then I said no. And then he made me leave 10 minutes later and kicked me out. Um, <laughs> and so they were all like, you've got this great job when everybody else would be killing to have this great job. Why would you do it? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I was very, you know, admittedly, I was very selfish. I wasn't very happy at the time. And so I was like, and the only way I'm going to be able to help other people or build a business that's doing good things in the world is if I can figure out my own stuff first. I have to be happy first. So with my girlfriend at the time, I basically, it wasn't really a discussion. It was, hey, I'm moving to Thailand, not, hey, I'm thinking about moving to Thailand. And she ended up being my wife. We're married now. So it was, it was the best thing that could have happened. Um, but it was, it was very much... You know, I would say most people were skeptical or they thought that I was a jerk for leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now yeah. they're like, hey, can you teach me how to do the same thing? Yeah, that's <laughs> which, amazing. Which is what you do now, right? Yeah. So you've transitioned into basically helping people figure out how to start businesses Absolutely. that they can run from anywhere. Yep, that's the idea. Okay, give me a quick rundown on the on the online properties that you run, run and operate. You've got Location 180, which was the original blog that you started, right? So we got rid of Location 180. Okay. Now it's all under the Location Rebel okay. domain. LocationRebel.com. Yep. All right. That's that's doing what Corbett was just saying, helping people figure out how to do these kinds of businesses on the run, on the road. Exactly. This kind of thing. Then what's this golf project? So we've got breaking80.com with 80 spelt out. Mm -hmm. And that's my like you do your bag reviews. This mm -hmm. is my version of that. You know, yeah. companies send me stuff to review on the, the site. I'm also trying to become the youngest. I'm not not the youngest person. I'm trying to play the top 100 golf courses in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I travel around, I take pretty photos, I do that. And then the newest component of that is called the 80 Club, mm -hmm. which is a online forum for private club members across the world. Yeah. So the idea being, if you want to go play, say, Winged Foot or some super exclusive course, you're not going to be able to get on unless you know somebody. Yeah. So I'm taking all these people I've met through the blog and giving them a way to connect and get to get to know each other. Fascinating. That's so cool. Okay, so these are your three properties. Let's focus in on on location rebel. My question for you is, was that your first like sort of entrepreneurial business sort of thing? This idea of doing what location 180 was at the time? Uh generally. So I owned a house painting business through college. Okay. So that was my first real business. Okay. Then I had a t-shirt business. Um then I realized that was way too much work and the profits weren't high enough. Yeah. Then location one eighty showed up, location rebel rebel came up, and that's kind of been the big thing ever since. Okay. So my question for you, going back to those early, early, early days, yep. maybe even before you launched or right as you were launching, like what was what how did you feel about that business and that business idea? Well, at first you don't even realize it's a business. It's yeah. like I'm just in Thailand, I'm trying to have an adventure i'm trying to have this experience and at that point you're just kind of assuming you're going to have to go back and get a day job that's so true you yeah. don't realize it's a business at first mm -hmm. same thing with like father apprentice yep. or cigar apprentice for me it was just like yeah yeah we're just gonna, yeah, it's like a scrapbook it's like scrapbook we're, we're gonna teach some stuff we'll figure it out and those just i love those stories those are great stories where you don't even have it like as an idea it's like i know how to make websites and so I'm going to make this and document yeah. my travel or something. Yeah. Well, and so what happened for me is every, basically every business I've created, it's always been two steps later as I've realized I've accomplished something in my own life. Mm -hmm. So the first product I ever released on location 180 was called overcoming the fear of uncertainty. Uh -huh. So I think there's three basically phases of uncertainty. There's fearing it, um, where you basically are terrified and you'd rather be comfortable than, um, face that uncertainty. Mm -hmm. There's overcoming it, which is what I did going to Thailand. I'm still terrified. I have no idea what's going to happen, yeah. but I'm going to go and I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And there's embracing it, which is where most successful entrepreneurs reside. Yeah. You know, that's where you don't know what's going to happen in the future, so you can make anything you want happen. 
So I created this course essentially to help people get over their fears. You know, all of those, you know, what's my family going to think? How am I going to pay my rent? What am I going to do after I realize I kind of accomplished all of this, you know, in my own life? And so I put that out there and I realized that there's not necessarily a whole lot of people that are like, man, I wish I could figure out how to get over all this uncertainty I've got. Yeah, it, totally. wasn't, it wasn't the easiest thing to market. What, but, what are those fears? What are the common things that come up for people who are thinking about working or, or trying to build a business that they can run from anywhere? Or maybe they have a business and they're thinking about traveling for the first time while running their business. What goes through people's minds? What are they worried about? To, well, when it comes down to like what I teach in this whole course is really the only fear in the world is uncertainty. So people aren't afraid of whether or not a spider is going to bite them. They're afraid of, or they're not afraid of the spider. They're afraid of the uncertainty surrounding if that spider is going to bite them. Mm, They're not afraid of the dark. They're afraid of the uncertainty surrounding, you know, what lies, you know, in the shadows. And so I think that's true with any of the fears that people have as it relates to starting a business. It's like, they're afraid of not being able to, you know, pay their rent. Well, they're really afraid of the uncertainty surrounding what happens when that's the case. Uh, they're afraid of what their best friend's going to say. Well, they're afraid of the uncertainty surrounding whether or not they're going to, you know, lose that friend. Yeah. Um, but, you know, kind of the biggest uncertainties people tended to have is how, I'm, how am I going to support myself and what are my friends and family going to think? Those mm-hmm. are the things I experience. Those are the things that, you know, over and over again, I see people experience as they're thinking about making this transition. Are there any, like, travel-specific fears on top of that as well? Like, am I going to get, like, stabbed or something? Or or am I not going to be able to find a place to live? Or Yeah, I think that people that tend to watch the news a lot mm-hmm. have <laughs> more fears than anyone else. It's why? Like, why do you think, why? I, I don't know. It's a good question. But it's like you hear about, like, you know, this terrorist, you know, bombing in, you know, Barcelona or car attack in Nice or, yeah. or whatever it might be. And people think it's like, oh, you can't go anywhere. It's like there's there's bad things happening all over the place. Um, but realistically, you know, I'm probably more likely to get hit by a car, you know, walking over here than I am, you know, some random terrorist attack, yeah. you know, in Europe. Although mm. you did get shot at in Thailand. Yeah, that did happen. Actually. <laughs> that, that was, that, did happen. that was an actual event. That's correct. <laughs> uh, but here I am, I'm still here. But do you tend to find that the kinds of people that are eventually going to be location independent entrepreneurs probably aren't that scared of travel to begin with? Yeah, the whole, like... The whole thing with all of this, whether it's traveling, starting a business, is it all comes down to risk tolerance. Mm. You've got to have a certain level of tolerance for risk if you're going to do it. You know, you can do everything possible to mitigate as much as that as you can, but you're still going to have to at some point take a leap. Mm -hmm. So the people that are just they know, you know, deep down as much as they want to, they're never going to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, those people tend not to, to trend, you know, towards that type of business anyway. Mm. Um, so you don't see the travel fears as much because, you know, they're they're never actually going to get to the point where they're going to start, you know, quitting their job to travel. Yeah. Whatever. All right. More on this idea of risk tolerance in a second. First of all, let me read real quick from our sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is small business accounting software designed for small businesses, especially for all you freelancers out there. There's a lot of you. We know it. And this software helps millions of service-based business owners make everyday invoicing and accounting easy, fast, and secure. Listen, here's what you're going to use FreshBooks for, especially invoicing okay creates very good looking professional invoices it can also show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice it can also email those invoices directly for you it handles all things invoicing and it also allows your customers to pay you through their software right it's killer here's what one of my little favorite uh ladies lady entrepreneurs swiss miss tina roth eisenberg says she says fresh books not only makes me look professional it saves me a huge amount of time. Don't you want that in your life? How do you, is that how she talks? Hi, <laughs> I'm Tina Roth Eisenberg, the creator of Creative Mornings, Tatley, and SwissMiss.com. You haven't seen her infomercials? No, I haven't. <laughs> FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to all the listeners of The Fizzle Show, all the great listeners. Totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for the trial. I love when you know you, you don't need that. It's like they're going to ask for you. Some, they're going to ask it some sometime though. Yeah, you know that, right? Sure. If you it's like just, it, you'll have to pay eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you like it enough, and you pay. Uh, anyways, you can go to FreshBooks.com/slash/fizzle and enter "fizzle" in the "How did you hear about us?" section. Uh, thanks to FreshBooks for supporting independent business and the Fizzle Show. Okay, so. I think you hit on something really, really big. Uh, hey, guys, welcome back to AM Radio 95.3. I'm here with uh, Sean Ogle. 
Sean and we, Corbin and I were talking about these AM, AM radio AM, guys. AM stations aren't in the 95 range. <laughs> AM ra- ra- radio a- AM <laughs> AM nine. Hey guys, welcome to Radio AM nope. nine. Try again. Am I, not? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't listened to terrestrial radio in decades. Um, we hit on this good. I, I love this concept of risk tolerance. In just a second or a little bit, I want to get into like really serious, like just whatever your pieces of advice are, Sean, for people who want to set up their business so they can actually travel, right? But this one seems like a really big one, this idea of risk tolerance. Tell me more about like it all comes down to how much you can tolerate risk. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, if you're not willing to to take a leap, whatever that mm-hmm. might be. You're you're not going to be successful being able to run a business from anywhere. I mean, that's that's kind of the what it comes down to. Yeah. Um. You know, for me, I kind of realized like a lot of people. You know, it comes down to money. So mm. for me, I had ten thousand dollars saved up in the bank before I left. And some people look at that and be like, man, you had a lot of money. Yeah. And other people are like, oh my god, how could you leave your job with only that much money? Totally. Saved up? Totally. Um. So you know, I think that's a good starting point is say, okay, like what amount of money do you need in the mm. bank in order to be able to comfortably take that leap Mm. so is it you know two thousand dollars is it twenty thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars you know what kind of buffer do you need uh that's going to give you the confidence to be able to not worry about the money but to be able to build your business because that's the worst is when people leave their job and they don't have that risk tolerance so it's like okay i'm gonna leave i'm gonna start this and then they're actually pretty risk averse and then they start stressing about you know the money and how they're gonna pay the bills and then you know that's when everything blows up yeah. because you don't want to be in the point where you have to make money. You want to be able to do it the right way, which takes time. Frankly. Yeah. You need a little breathing room. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like with my golf thing, I didn't worry about, you know, making money for the first two years of the site, which allowed me to build trust with the audience, which allowed me to build it the right way. It was the same thing with location rebel. I didn't come out with the first product till two, two years down the road. Um, you can certainly make money faster than that in different yeah. ways, but you don't want to push it. You don't yeah. want to, you know, be trying to like, you know, cram offers down, you know, someone's throat when you've only got 20 subscribers. Yeah, and, totally. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of one of the fundamental components of it. Mm. Yeah. So this not needing, not waiting until you need to make money. I so resonate with that. That idea of like, once I see these entrepreneurs inside a fizzle sometimes who are just like, all right, I need to flip the switch on because I got two more months of employment before. And I'm like, D- this is like, no, yeah. don't yeah. <laughs> don't lean on or this. Or worse, for that. sometimes people come in and say, "I have these like horrible financial problems, and I'm looking at entrepreneurship as a way to solve it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I tell totally. people, like, I'll get people that'll think about joining Location Rebel. They're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm deeply in debt. I don't have a job." And I was like, "This is not the right thing for you. Go yeah. solve those problems first, yeah, yeah. and then come back and talk to me." So you're saying entrepreneurship is a a, a, a rich person's game. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> no. But but there's something. There's. I mean, obviously that's that's too. That's that's a that's a snooty point on it. But this there is something to this. That's like if you either can't live on ramen, yeah. like you know, like if you can't go to Thailand and you live don't want to live in Thailand in a two hundred dollar a month apartment. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you if you can't find some ways to bring your expenses so low to where they're just manageable with doing, you know, you can do a, a website a. a a fortnight or something like yeah. that. And, and I can, and I can, I can get that I, every 40 days. I can get a, I yeah. can get a, a website client, you know, and, mm-hmm. and turn that around in a few weeks. Then I can live. Okay. Then I've got a lot of extra time. What do I, what's the business that I want to build? That's, I mean, I never got to do that living out in the, the thing and, and like living on, you know, pennies and, and I was thinking about an Eastern European. Well, but country. you did live in Portland in the, 2000s i did which was basically like thailand (laughs) it was it was uh, it was very eastern european that's correct yeah yeah it was like prague yeah here's here's my litmus test okay people you know ask me like i'm thinking about starting a business joining location rebel whatever um and they ask me what additional expenses might i expect to incur Mm. and i was like you know fairly minimal it's like hosting account domain you know maybe a premium wordpress theme um you know 29 bucks a month for convert kit or something like that for email software um, you know, so call it $200 to get started with. And if they're like, Oh, I've, things are really tight right now. I'm yeah. not sure if I can swing. Yeah. If you can't swing $200 to yeah. start your business, right. then it's probably not the right thing for you to do at this time. Right. Yeah. No, that's so true. You, you, uh, we started this by, you were, you were saying that you're about to go on a, a two month sabbatical. You mind if we ask about that, Chase? Yeah, no, let's, let's go into the sabbatical. Yeah. Because, um, I know that your situation is a little different and, and I was wondering because your, your wife, as Chase said, has a job she yes. lives here permanently 
What's that like? Because you have all the freedom in the world. You could be living anywhere, basically. Mm-hmm. And you've been waiting. She she has, what is it, like a 10-year, she gets a sabbatical yeah, or something? Yeah, she gets six weeks, and then she can tack vacation time onto it. So we're going to do about eight weeks. Okay, mm. awesome. I mm. bet she's excited for that. She's stoked, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, tell us about this trip real quick. Yeah, so basically, I should clarify, it's a sabbatical for her. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a sabbatical for yeah, me. For I'll me, it's be, a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I'll still be working, but... Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're heading to New York. We're gonna do a week in New York, and then we're going to Oktoberfest in Munich. Going hiking in the Dolomites. We're gonna go to a panda reserve in southwestern China. Go to Hong Kong. So basically, the trip, doing all the kind of things we've always talked about doing, we're actually going to go and do them. Oh like, man, that's awesome. Um, you know, when I I told you I was you know I was kind of selfish. I left for Thailand, and when I got back, you know, we had kind of broken up. Mm. We got back together, and then you have to essentially relearn how to have a relationship where all of a sudden I'm yeah. not in a normal day job. You know, yeah. I'm traveling. I'm working for myself i'm working from home yeah and a lot of issues come up with that there's that's a component of your job right you you travel partly because you you need to right you have to walk the walk absolutely and do you find that like because you have you have a home base you actually have a residence here in portland Mm -hmm. does that put you in a different category of location independent entrepreneur well so we bought our place actually it was my 29th birthday we got engaged and closed on our house together all in the same day Wow. And I was terrified. I was like, one, I'm getting, too, am I getting too wow, old to be doing this? that's crazy. You know, what are people going to think now that I'm like married and tied down? And what are they going to think about? It's like, oh, I'm no longer location dependent. I've got mm-hmm. a house or whatever. Um, and so I was terrified about all of those things. And that's when I had this big realization that, you know, this type of business, it's not necessarily just about being able to travel all the time. It's about being able to do the things you want to yeah. do and doing them on your, like you like to go to Corbett, you like to go to Mexico for three months out of yeah. the year. Um, you know, Chase, I don't really know what it is you like to do, but I'm sure you've got I, it's things. It's a lot of it's just like. a lot of weird sexual things. Yeah, okay. That's so, all. Yeah. I, did, I just didn't want to say that on here. Yeah. Um, but I really, really I do a lot of body painting. <laughs> um, I could talk about it if you want me to. Uh, we'll, we'll do another there. episode. Okay, yeah, maybe that'll be another episode. I need to grow my email list over there, so yeah, it might be good. Well, and what I ended up finding was that I actually got more people and built more trust with my audience because um, a lot of people resonated with that more. They're like, yeah. I don't like, it's probably only 10, 15% of my audience that truly wants to quit their job and just go travel. Permanently. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So they're like, Oh, I just want to, you know, quit my job and spend more time with my kids or I want to be able to work from home or whatever it might be. And so. Travel kind of represents freedom. Yeah, yeah it people, does. Right? Being able to travel. Exactly. So mm-hmm. what I found is that I love, you know, one to two week trips and I love having a home base. You know, I kind of feel like when I'm on the road, it's easy to maintain the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough to grow the business. Um, so, you know, when I'm at home, that's what I'm trying to focus on actually like building things and trying to, you know, kind of look to the future, but this next two months will be interesting because it'll be, you know, a little bit more in maintenance mode. So do you, uh, do you do travel hacking and and worry about status and miles and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So do you find yourself like taking trips just because you need to get mileage or. Yeah. Funny story about that. So <laughs> I had, I had basic American status and I realized the flights out of Portland were horrible for American, bad, bad planes, bad flights. Mm. So I wanted to switch to Delta. Ah. So this flight that I'm about to take tonight, I was like, okay, like I've already flown Delta a couple times. And if you fly X amount of miles within three months, they'll give you Delta status that will retain for another year. So flying to New York, the direct flight out of Portland, I was eight miles short <laughs> to oh. be able to reta- retain my Delta status. So I now I have to like fly up to Seattle and fly over. And, <laughs> so you just, you just switched it so you have one extra leg. So I have one extra leg, but I had to fly. I couldn't do a coach. I had to do first class. Uh, yeah. Um, so I oh, pen- bu- bummer. So, so I, I spent $200 more to be able to fly first class, but now I'll so have Delta status, status for a year. Right. So I'm wow. very excited about it. Actually. Uh, in terms of this travel hacking thing, for people who aren't uh, very aware of it, is there one resource that you would point people towards that you think is, is particularly helpful for people just to get into it? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, Flyer Talk, you know, is one of the best forums out there for people. Uh, if you're trying to find the best deals and things like that, um, you know, one mile at a time uh, is another guy that talks about, you know, all sorts of deals. Chris Gillibo, he has, you know, travel hacking resources. Uh, but the one biggest hack, you know, mm-hmm. that people need to know, at least if you're in the United States, is the Chase Sapphire Reserve credit card. Really? Um, you'll get bonus points. You'll get lounge access. You'll get, um, you know, status on different airlines or not airlines, but like hotels and rental cars. 
it's kind of the one, you know, if you're just trying to do one thing to mm. travel hack, that's the thing you should do. That's the one thing. You heard it here first. That's great. That's how I wish I wish I could just learn information like that. One thing. Just no, just like just like because you heard a lot about travel hacking before, right? It's like and when I think of travel hacking, I just think of like all this rigmarole. I'm like, Ugh. Oh god. You're never uh, gonna do that. I'm never no, I'm, I'm not never, doing yeah. that either. Never. Like, I'm no never thanks. gonna do that. I'm it's just too much work. I'm like, maybe my wife, like if I send her like a blog post that's very like clear or something like that, she could get into it. But I'm like, good you know what? Never Never mind. Never mind. Not interesting. But like to hear, to, you talk to someone who does who's like traveled for a really long time. And they're just like, listen, the, the the big tip is this: you just get this credit card. <laughs> That's it. That's all you, you do. just get this one credit card. I love that. So, um, I want to I want to switch. Well, let's do one more thing. One more thing here. This idea of your wife has not been able to travel. Yeah. As much as you. Yep. But you, this is something that's similar also with uh, John of Minimalist Baker. Yep. He loves to travel. And Dana really likes to be like making food for Minimalist Baker and taking pictures and doing the creative work and like being in a routine. I mean, she travels a lot with him as well. Um, they live a very, uh, uh, a very charmed life in, in some respects. But he does go on several trips a year, uh, just like with him and a buddy or something mm-hmm. like that. Any tips for the the person out there who's like, or or what from your, how about this? If you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice about that season, this past season where it's like Tate has not been able to travel with you, what's the piece of advice you would have given yourself? Talk to her. <laughs> Rather than just making decisions or assuming you know the answers to questions. <laughs> Have a conversation because it's amazing. <laughs> so true. It is so true. I mean, it's one of those things that it doesn't have to be as complicated as, you know, you yeah. think it might be. But if you ask her, it's like, hey, I want to take this trip. What do you need for me to, you know, feel okay about this? Yeah. Um, and often, you know, I can find, like, I find that it's like if I, you know, plan a trip from Monday to a Friday rather than over a weekend, she's thrilled. Yeah. She's like, she has a regular job. So it's the yeah. weekends yeah. where, you know, we have the most mm-hmm. trouble. Uh, we learned three weeks is kind of the absolute most. So, you know, I spent seven months in Thailand. I lived in Bali for two months and we kind of found that once we hit that three week point, she starts basically forgetting about the fact I exist yeah. and yeah. going on her own life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so now we try and keep it to like, you know, usually like some guy named Jack answers the phone. At your house. You're like, <laughs> no, I'm just painting over here. here. No, it's just uh, doing some painting. <laughs> I didn't know we were painting. No, I'm, I'm painting some canvases over here. Yeah. I've been living Body in the canvas. Garage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my friend Chase is here. He's showing me his work. <laughs> so that's pretty good, dude. So talk to her, talk to your spouse, talk to your spouse. I mean, I mean, it, this goes for both ways, please. You ladies who truly like to travel and love to go and visit your friends like all over the world, uh, talk to your man or woman or whatever your partner. You talk to your partner is what I'm, your esposa, yeah. as, as they say. Yeah. I, I, I actually like that time apart a little bit. You know, I think it's yeah. healthy for us as a relationship. My wife goes totally. on artist residencies for like a month at a time every year or two. And uh, I mean, I don't operate that well alone for a yeah. month, mm-hmm. but it is important to like, you yeah. know, live your own life and, and be your own person. And dude, I, honestly, Melissa was gone for like two days, just this just, weekend, just this weekend. Yeah. And I, and Aiden, our eight year old was here and I hung out with him and she took Etni, our baby girl down to, to someone's Charlie baby Chaplin shower. burritos, Charlie right? Chaplin yeah. and burritos, baby. And I didn't get burritos. Um, and the, the, uh, the, it felt so good to like have that time, away even just two days it's like it can kind of like just like pep it up a bit it's like taking a pillow and just kind of like yeah fluffing the pillow, fluffing yeah. the pillow. Yeah. You know what I, mean? no, I i can't agree more i have so many friends tate and i were like this before i moved to thailand like mm. very codependent we did everything together never a second apart and like you know i have a lot of friends that are in relationships like that yeah. and you start to lose a little bit of your identity you become codependent yeah when they aren't around you have a tougher time adjusting to it you know, Tate and I have very different hobbies. I like golf and like playing guitar and she does like DIY craft projects. Yeah. And so I think it's important that, you know, we have separate time to be able to do those separate things, mm-hmm. which helps us appreciate each other more. Totally. So. Man, that's awesome. Okay. So let's get into this final bit here. People out there, they want to know how to create a business, set up their business that they're running right now so that they can actually travel so it doesn't just anchor them down nonstop. i'm thinking of the freelancer who like is like i can't leave if my clients can't call me on the phone like they're gonna they're gonna 
crap a brick or something right. like that, right? I'm thinking of the the so the web designer who's like, I don't know how I'm going to get new clients or, or mm-hmm. something. I mean, I, I mean, for me, it's like all this stuff happens digitally. So what, what are we talking yeah. about here? Or I, I'm also curious, though, about let's say someone is working on a business idea and they know that travel is going to be important or they want the flexibility to be able to live and work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, what would you tell that person or the person who's already gotten started? Yeah. Bit, so like know? what, what pieces of advice would you give someone as they're setting up their business? Um, like what mistakes could they be making that they could, they could start not making earlier? Yeah. So there's a few things, you know, if you want to look at, if someone's, you know, thinking about a new business idea and travel is important to them, you know, figure out if that business is conducive to travel because mm. the reality is, is some aren't like if you want to open up a food truck, um, sure. Maybe you could drive that food truck around the U S mm. but you know, you physically have to, to be there. Uh, if you're opening up a plumbing company in Portland, like you kind of have to be there. So, so much of that these days. Oh man. Mm. It's a great opportunity. <laughs> you know if, I gotta, if I got a dime for everybody who was like, Hey, I got this idea. I'm going to start up this plumbing business. <laughs> What's with all the plumbers with top knots. <laughs> Okay, so find out if your business is even conducive to 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 travel itself. Yeah, exactly, because so many of them aren't, and if it's something that's important to you, you're going to grow to resent the business really quickly. Mm-hmm. If you know you kind of start it knowing that it's not going to give you the, the and you're you tied want. down, and you know, I I ran a startup. I was you know I had this idea that I wanted to be an entrepreneur forever. Eventually, I decided to act on it. And I ended up in a position because we raised venture capital, we had an office, we had employees, we had advisors, I had a a, um, co-founder, I ended up feeling so much more restricted in my life. And I had to work more hours. It was just crazy. Mm. I was an entrepreneur and had less control over my life than I did as an employee. Mm. And here now the pendulum has swung the opposite direction Mm -hmm. and I have more freedom than I could ever imagine. And I just think you can build businesses in different ways mm-hmm. and you have to be very aware of that. I meet entrepreneurs who are a little older. They've run the same business for 20, 30 years, something like that. And you can build yourself into a bit of a prison if Absolutely. you're not careful with your business. Sure. Maybe you're making a little more and maybe you're able to call the shots in a certain way. But at the same time, like you got to show up every day. You got to make sure the donuts get made or whatever it is. And you can't, leave whenever you want and you've got employees to worry about and if you're not there to clean up after their mistakes then the whole thing can go down the toilet yeah yeah and so that was going to be one of my next points is decide if you want a startup Mm. or a lifestyle business Mm. or a job you know you can work remotely and do different things but i think that's you know i i go to a lot of like business events or whatever and you've got these big startup founders with like vcs and you know they've got seven eight figures in revenue like oh what do you do it's like i run this small business and you know you know have a nice small six figure income, yeah. but it allows me to do it. And, and they kind of look at us like, Oh, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, it's like, eh, I'm not interested in your little thing over there. But for me, it's exactly what I want. You know, yeah. it gives me that, that freedom and that flexibility. So it's like, I've also purposefully, um, I've only got one part-time assistant. You know, I've, I don't have a huge staff of like, you know, a dozen people where all of a sudden you, even if you've got freedom and you're doing things online, if you start having people that report into you and there's lots more moving pieces, um, that adds to stress that adds to, you know, your ability to leave or not leave. Um, so I very specifically and very deliberately kept my business pretty small yeah. and I've probably given up, you know, more money because of that, but also mm. it's not necessarily about the money. Um, so you're making decisions along the way that preserve your ability to travel exactly. and have that freedom. And so I think that if you're just thinking about starting a business, like, you know, the advice I would give is think about that stuff now, uh, rather than five years from now, once you've built yourself into that prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it can be really hard to back out of. You mentioned just a second ago, uh, you know, starting a, a, a startup versus a lifestyle business or getting a job. And in the past, like eight years or so, since you've been doing this, mm-hmm. it has become much more the norm that you can find companies that will allow you to work from anywhere. Absolutely. And that's a legitimate, option for people and i would say frankly it's probably a better option for most people we've had a lot of people that have gone through location rebel they'll get started they'll learn some of the skills and online like online skills and six months later they'll come to me just stoked we just had a guy yesterday that did this he's like i just got this new job online with this company and whatever um it's exactly what i wanted i've got some of the stability i want but i can work from anywhere i want Mm -hmm. um because i think most people like going back to that idea of risk tolerance most people are actually fairly risk averse so if you can have the backing of a traditional job and you can have some of that, you know, 
um, you know, structure that, that you get there. I think that's probably going to be preferable, but it's an option. You know, everyone's like entrepreneurship. You got to start a business. You got to start yeah. a business. And the reality is you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, that again, that's just something that is changing more and more every year. We were, you and I were at a dinner a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about hiring millennials and what they look for. Yeah. And a lot of people these days are just looking for or expecting a lot more flexibility in when they work, where they work, all that kind of stuff. And companies are just catering to it more and more. There are so many like huge companies like WordPress. We talk about all that all the time. Mm. The company behind WordPress is entirely remote with several hundred employees. Yeah. You know, and there are more and more companies like that. Mm -hmm. And what, one of the things I thought was kind of interesting about that dinner is, you know, there were some, you know, older people in very successful businesses. But when they started talking about millennials, I feel like they didn't quite hit the nail on the head, at least for me. Like yeah. some of the things they were talking about was like, actually, that's not necessarily what I would be most interested in. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. Sean to, was the only millennial at a dinner of like 10 guys yeah. in their 40s or whatever mm -hmm. talking about what millennials are like and what they want. In, <laughs> and it was like the work. most heated part of the discussion. It was like, yeah. everyone's like, Oh no, no, no. They want this. This yeah. is what you got to do. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, I couldn't even get a word. And I was like, actually, <laughs> actually hey. you were like being mansplained. Yeah. <laughs> You're being boomered. I think we call it. <laughs> okay. I love this, this idea of you got to figure out your business. If your business is conducive to travel or not. Yep. All right. Then you want to decide if you want to do a startup, a lifestyle business or have a job because yep. don't knock having a job. You could, there's more companies with great packages today than there were a long time ago or what in the past, anything else you can think of to help set people up to, to build. And besides this general advice of like, cause in some ways to me, it's like, Hey, think about it now. That's what yeah. you, one of the things you guys just said is like, start thinking about it now. Yep. What are the things that do anchor you down? I feel like you can make a list of these things, notice them and go, all right, how do I start to find? So for instance, it might be payroll or it might be, uh, it might be what doing your email. You can do that from anywhere. It might be talking to customers and clients. Well, we can figure out a Skype situation for you. Yeah, like, time zones can be an issue, right? Time zones, time can, zones be can be a real be issue. issue. But usually, once you figure out what all those problems are, there's actually is solutions to most. Yeah, of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, so like a great one that's kind of come up recently. It's like if you're worried about you know clients not being able to get a hold of you, not being able to have a cell phone when you're in like Europe or whatever. Um, you can go get a, a T-Mobile cell phone account because they have unlimited global text and data. Right. Mm. Um, so it's like you can literally from anywhere, you know, if you need to get on Skype, you can just pull up your cell phone yep. and hop on, which and not worry. Or you can use a Google voice number or you can use a Google and voice direct number. that to whatever number you've got. Yep. So there's I think there's all sorts of solutions, especially now, you know, as technology is advancing and as we're looking at globalization, there's more and more opportunities. And so all of these things that even five, 10 years ago you know, I was worried about, you know, not being able to find reliable internet or whatever, you know, that's becoming less and less of an issue. Yeah. What do you do? Do you ever shoot videos or record podcasts or anything like that when you're traveling? I do a lot of videos. I don't do podcasts. Okay. But, is, uh, is that an issue? What, yeah. like, what do you bring for equipment and all that kind of stuff? So again, this is kind of one of those where it's like, you know, you've got a problem trying to figure out the solution. So for instance, I shot a kind of a marketing video on our honeymoon in the Maldives. So I'm like trying to think through, okay, what do I need? How am I going to actually be able to do this? So I had like a Canon G seven X like point and shoot camera. Mm -hmm. I had a zoom, you know, whatever their handheld recorder thing yeah. is, uh, a tripod. Uh, I had my laptop with me, but I didn't have like a good, um, actually I didn't have the zoom recorder at the time. So I actually brought my big external like sound card. Yeah. So basically my point here is that it wasn't a pretty solution, mm, sure. but there was a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now it's a little bit more streamlined and a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. but. By the way, on that gear side, what have you, what have you just shooting, shooting crap in the, in the mechanics shop here? What do you use now for shooting video with audio when you're out and about? Uh, I still use that Canon G7X, okay. which I love. Video quality is really good, easy to use. Um, I've got that Zoom recorder now, mm -hmm. and then I've got like a, a Zoom H4n or something. Yes, that's the one. The is H4N. it the bigger fat H4n or is it the little? Do you use the microphone that's on the H the Zoom or sometimes? But I actually okay. have it's a Audio Technica like AT. Oh, a lavalier. Uh, it's not a lav. Oh. I do have a wireless lav. Okay, um, but usually I'll set up. Uh, just a shotgun mic and I'll stick it kind of right in front of me. Okay. Got it. Okay. That works pretty well. Cool. Got it. So. Awesome. All right. That's good to know. Cause I always, I always like thinking about the gear stuff because if you had a mobile thing that you can take yeah. really easily, that's nice. It is. And I, I've always, I think always, it's the, you have the same the, one, the same <laughs> one, the same oh, yeah. shotgun, the ATR. Yeah. The one so we're talking like on windscreen on it. Yeah. If you do a little Google search for uh, what podcasting mic should I use? 
think you're going to find, I think you, I think we, you'll find mine there. Anyways, in Fizzle, we did a big shootout on mics and this is the one that, that won for podcasting Ooh. and I use it for, and I use it for all my for video, video stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've always been one to bring way too much equipment with me. Like yeah. I always get worried, especially if I'm gone for a few months. Yeah. I get worried like, Oh, what if I need this or yeah. that or whatever? And then I end up with a whole box full of stuff that I'd never touch. Yeah. That's, know? that's me always. And this was the first time <laughs> where I was like, you know what? Like it's, we're gone two months. I've got more stuff than usual as it is. Like, I'm just going to go super raw. I'm going to bring, like, the Canon camera, and I'm not going to worry about that. Like, we'll do more, like, vlog style, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Inevitably, I'm going to regret it, but we'll see. Totally. You never know. Yeah. Well, guys, I think this is the end of it. Really? You, you feel good about it? This is the end. Do you want to stick around? We'll yeah. do an after party. We'll do an after party. Anyways, so Woody, hey, thanks for listening, guys. You can leave if you want. Hey, guys, hey, what's <laughs> going on now? <laughs> if you want the real dirt on Jason the, Corbett, the just real, yeah. locationrebel.com. Sean, do you, have any, <laughs> do you have any questions for us before we let you go on your whirlwind tour? I want to know what your favorite cocktail is. What my favorite cocktail is? Yeah. Mm. My favorite cocktail, the first thing that comes to mind is a Negroni, but... I'll I'll shift that one because it's traditionally been one of my favorites and one of those ones that's like you know basically because I'm an elitist. Negroni is a very elitist drink. It's a, it's an insanely elitist drink. Mm. Um, to me, it is, and not its origins aren't. Yeah, not its Italy. origins yeah. aren't. But now it's like now it is. You got like you know. So, anyways, I'll actually go. I'll actually shift that towards. You know what my favorite two drinks in the whole world are? My favorite two drinks you can get at the same single bar in Portland. This is the only place you can get these drinks. It's at a place called the Rum Club. All right? In Portland... Sean's never heard of it. Rum Club is my favorite place because it's like a fancy cocktail bar, but it's a total towny environment. It's like like you might as well be in some little crap hole in like Lake Tahoe, like where the locals hang out, right? Except for that the cocktails are amazing. They're so good. And And every bartender that comes to Portland goes there. It's like, it's my, it's my favorite thing about hospitality is that bar, uh, that bar represents it. Dandelion chocolate in in San Francisco represents it in a little different way. Uh, But two favorite drinks are their basic rum punch, first and foremost. Okay. Which changes over time. Okay. But my, like, I always, like, mandatory. I take big groups of people to rum club. Mandatory. First drink, five bucks. Everybody has to get a rum punch. Everyone. I love that. Thing. I'm not sure if we've ever been. Rum club is my favorite bar in Portland. Yeah, like, I, good. There we have often, a, we have similar so, taste then. Similar so, yeah, rum, they're, they're rum punch. And then, second of all, it's their shot ski. <laughs> oh sure there's shot ski so for people who don't know it's literally a ski with holes drilled into it shot four shot glasses you get four people everybody has to take the shot at the same time they put into the shot there's, glass there's no watching your friend like kind of like take a sip yeah. or whatever yeah. you you're, all gotta you're all in. Back yeah, all in. and they do it with some some liqueur bit, that tastes like christmas or whatever yeah <laughs> just tastes like christmas yeah. that's all i know and it's fun it's not it's not like taking a shot of tequila or something where it's like it's a little less boozy than that uh but it still gets you revved up a bit well i did not mean to tangent the conversation but i will say this yeah. i'm trying to go to the top 50 bars in the world yeah i've been to 21 of them uh. bar termini in london mm-hmm. the best negroni in the world they do really? negroni flights so if you ever mm. find yourself in flights london wow that's where you need to go the reason why i say negroni not to put more of a tangent on this is because what i like about it is it's such a simple drink and yet the ingredients that you use in it are like they can totally change the thing they yeah. can i've never seen one that's using a campari that's not the campari we all use so campari is always the campari's same campari is always in it always in it and but the I vermouth find changes sometimes the, it's not even vermouth the sweet vermouth to me makes the whole drink i can yeah. use the crappiest gin in the world and as long as it's some, a good sweet vermouth i it enjoy can be a little float of something smoky on top Mm. Maybe with a little sea salt as well. Whoa, Ooh. Corbett Bar, yeah. right. hanging, hanging the. Yeah. Didn't know he rolled that way. <laughs> yeah. Hanging the bacon right in the juice. <laughs> Sean, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you guys Thank so you, much for having me. It was fun. You got it. All right, guys, that's this episode. That is episode. What are we talking about? Two thirty-three of the Fizzle Show. Uh, our thanks to Sean Ogle from LocationRebel.com for joining us. Be sure to say what's up to him on the internet. You can go to fizzleshow.co slash 233 for all the notes and links from the conversation we had today. Uh, Let's see. Let's find an iTunes review here. Here's one from C-Track-Right, C-Track-Right in the USA who says, Paving Freedom Road. 
I could go on for hours about what I've learned from the Fizzle Show. But if you're trying to create the business that will lead you to Freedom Road, you don't have to you don't have hours to read my ramblings. What what you do need though, you do need some hours on to on listening to this podcast. Those hours you need to spend. Those are good hours. Well, thank you so much, C-Track, right? That is so awesome to hear. Dear listener, you know that if you leave us an iTunes review, you might get it read on the air, but that's not why you do it. You do it because you help us to get into the ear holes and the heart holes of other entrepreneurs out there, people who are trying, trying, trying to find a way to earn a living doing something they actually care about. And, uh, hey, we're like a family out here. It's the Fizzle fam. So uh, if you get a chance, leave us a review. I love to read and hear from you. My hope for you, folks, is not for an easy or gentle or cloudless life, but for a heart fully awake and eyes alight with direction, potential, and joy. And now I'm, I'm just talking to get to the end of the song. You can tell. But it does feel right, doesn't it? It has a good feeling, and that's how I want you to feel. I want you to feel the good feeling, and I want you to to go into it. Now close your eyes. Corbett, close your eyes. No. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. See you next week on The Fizzle Show. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in.